2: from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Joe Rimmer, and today I'm joined by Theo Squires. How are we, Theo? Enjoying the international break, as always. As always, as always. And uh, Sean Bradbury, how are you, Sean? Very well, yeah. T- tactically booked a week off for the international breaks. So yeah, I can't yeah. yeah. I never book international break off and I'm, I, I need to sort of get onto that but that's yeah
1: first thing you look for. to um, in your birthday is Christmas yeah get yeah I don't off
2: definitely um first lipid, do it I do well, no, booking no, it off no, already up to work through <laughs> first rule by the way the blood Red podcast from now on is no taking your shoes off <laughs> um because we had an incident in the last pod where uh, Ian Doyle took his oh, just God. randomly just took, took his shoes off during More than once. during the pod yeah several times so so I don't want any shoes taken off in this podcast keep them shoes on Same. yeah keep them Reebok classics on Sean um, right well I thought today because we're um, obviously mid international break not a great deal to talk about saying that Liverpool players doing well. Um, during the international break, a lot of goals going in for Nunes, Diaz, Salah, several of them for Salah. So Bosley with a good performance. So um, not a bad international break so far for Liverpool, is it, Theo? I wasn't expecting you to ask. No, me. no. Well, you know what? I've got, I've got <laughs> a plan, but but I, I, I've yeah, already I mean, gone off but... off script to to talk about the international break. But I thought it's worth saying, isn't it?
0: These... Yeah, it, it's certainly seemingly going better than Man City's when like all their players seem to be getting struck down by injury. Um, but they're just carrying on what they're doing in one they? Like we've seen Salah scoring goals we've seen Nuno scoring goals Diaz as well but it's always good to see you'd much rather them putting in good performance and scoring goals than coming down with injuries hopefully they Touchwood they can stay free in the the second games so and
2: then keep it going to that trip to the FTA next week yeah but we were laughing Sean weren't we earlier saying all of Man City's players are in inverted commas injured Liverpool's are scoring and, and look healthy but by the time we get through to the next Saturday, it'll probably be the other way around.
1: Yeah, I think there'll be like eleven city players on the pitch, and then they will all pull their masks off like Scooby Doo villains, and it will be De Bruyne, Haaland, Stones, you know, <laughs> all <the> as <laughs> fit as they've ever been. Yeah, Sean Gota. Yeah, Sean yeah. Gota. Why not?
2: Meanwhile, get him up there. Darwin Nunez's flight will be landing in Manchester Airport <laughs> ten minutes before kickoff. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Well, anyway, I thought rather than talk about international football, we'll we'll go through sort of the best, worst. Um, Biggest surprises, all these moments of the season. So we'll start off um, with moments of the season so far. Theo, we'll start with you. Um, what, what is yours? Let's go with the Newcastle away. Ionez
0: yeah. coming on and winning it for Liverpool. Like, that was the moment where, actually, this side have got something about them now. They're, they're not going to be scarred by last year. It's still very early on for some of these youngsters or some of the new signings. But when you've got that adversity against a side that is in the Champions League, they're supposed to be this big, rich club that are going to take your place in the top four and be the big contenders to go and wrestle the points back like that. And it was so really well taken goals, weren't they, from Nunes for him to come on? It's like the start of his Liverpool career or the second season that that was just a moment. I think hopefully it's going to be iconic when we look back at it. Come May is such a decisive moment that even now it's one you can definitely enjoy as one of the better victories of Jurgen Klopp's era.
2: Yeah, I've got to agree with that wholeheartedly. I think, um, as you say, going going into the season, decent draw at Chelsea. They, they obviously beat Bournemouth at home, but then after the red card, going a goal down, it felt like, yeah, maybe a continuation of, of last season. But then for it to be Nunes as well, it all felt right, didn't it? And it, and it felt like a marker against the team, yeah, that a lot of people had tipped... Um, I a couple of people actually tipping for the title, which I found yeah. pretty bizarre. Stuart Pearce
1: still thinks they will.
2: Yeah, yeah, anybody- yeah. He was on. He, he was on. He was on the radio about two weeks ago, saying he's still backing them to win it, which I find also oh. bizarre How many points so far are they now? I, I don't know, but they um they're certainly got a job on their hands to get into the top four. but Sean will you challenge that moment well I think you lads have got the the correct answer so that, that would be my serious answer but
1: the, the only other one I'd throw in and I'll stay on the Darwin theme but the moment I have enjoyed the most in the sense of it, it just made me laugh was the moment of 3-1 up against Toulouse when you know well, you all know what happens next he <laughs> kind of does brilliantly Goes through, hits the post, and then kind of collapses on the field, crestfallen, has a bit of an emotional breakdown. Meanwhile, Gravenberch is, is, is tossing in. I like. I, I genuinely have not had a had a, a kind of thirty second spell at Anfield this season where I've just thought this is brilliant. Like this is pure entertainment. You know, it was like both sides of Darwin, something that's amazing. And then, you know, that that little bit where it still needs a bit of refinement, and where to, to hit the absolute top level, you just put those away. But um, it, yeah, it, it just kind of made me laugh and afterwards you had people doing the Nunes um, chant some <laughs> taking the mic and some kind of doing it because really he because he missed the chance and yeah for me that just summed him up and partly summed the season up so far But you yeah. in the crowd for that one uh, I was in the car for that one, yeah, me and my dad. Just so, uh, were you taking the mic or supporting him? I I, I, I refrained from the chant because I was just too busy laughing.
2: Was, was, was Dave Brad the more importantly was Dave Brad taking the uh, taking the pic? No, p- he's the p- t- p- t- p- yeah, yeah, I didn't you know, get that. He's, he's very supportive of Darwin. He he's an arm on the shoulder. Uh, yeah. Nunes fan. So, could the Blood Red Pod get a little video of Dave Brad doing the Darwin chant? I think if, if a yeah. trophy's won this season, if
1: Nunes yeah. has a decisive contribution at, at Wembley or or Dublin, yeah, I'll. I'll I'll open
2: thoughts. Yes, yeah. the voice notes that we used to get in the, the WhatsApp group for your dad. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah.
2: need another big season, and he'll he'll step up. Just so the listeners know, Dave Brad, Sean's dad, once did a lovely rendition of a La, LA um, for you, didn't he? Which she sent pitch, over, which pitch, was, pitch perfect. Yeah, one of my favourite moments is probably like the title winning season that was. I think. Yeah. So is this your favourite moment? That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one. What I was going to say, one moment that we probably should say that none of us have said, and I think if it was a winner. We all may have said it, but Lewis Day scoring after returning oh, yeah. to the team at Luton. Theo probably feels like one that we should me- give a mention to.
0: Yeah, it was like a testament to him like to overcome the, all the adversity he had, to be able to actually get on that pitch when he hadn't been sleeping. Obviously, he's so worried about his mm. parents. He's been told not to go back to Colombia because mm. he's a security risk. I know there had been the messaging at that point that they are going to release him, but he still hadn't been released. It was still uncertain there and he just can't fathom what was going through his mind so to go on and get that goal um, I'm sure it was similar for him in Colombia last night was it where he's getting a couple of goals and now he knows his dad's safe he celebrates him with his yeah. people but yeah it's you're just a credit to him how he's managed to come through all this and just put it all behind him uh, it's great to see that it ended positively for the family uh, I think there are reports saying that the Az family are going to come over now aren't they? after the international break mm-hmm. so that that's going to be a great scene as well we think next time they're playing at Anfield if yeah. they're there watching but yeah, it's just like I said, credit to Diaz the fact that he could go in and get that iconic moment.
2: Definitely. Well, we've gone with moments, so these often sort of cross the lines. But goal, um, just the goal itself, perhaps. Sure. Oh, go on. This is difficult because I think there've been some great individual goals. Um,
1: They're all counter attacks, aren't they? There's a lot of counter attacks, but then there's been a few kind of foot like attraction engine Adam Partridge commentary style ones. Obviously, Subas. Like, I, I really thought the Jota one against the one we were just seen against Brentford where he kind of literally scored the goal that is in it he scored tr- about he scored about three times is not he that, yeah. on. Yeah. puts inside and, and yeah that was a really good one but I'm going to go back to the answer that you guys gave for the last one and I, I just think joint first place both those Nunes goals because mm. that they were the ones for me where I thought he, he has the ability now to kind of keep a cool head and if you find them in the right areas and use them in the correct way yeah. and he can finish like that then you know on, on, on an individual level and on a team level I thought those goals in that game you know kind of meant so much so yeah two two prizes for Darwin yeah. are we just reviewing Darwin Nunes' Nunes's season now the rather than Liverpool this, think,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. well just to follow up on that it was just so important for him wasn't it you know as you say for the team as well but it felt it could be a transformative moment yeah. and suddenly Darwin Nunes believes he belongs absolutely I'm, I'm asking you is that question no no you, you said <laughs> it better elaborate I, I, I fundamentally agree yeah um, Theo goal of the season so far.
0: Uh, I quite like the Jota ones against Toulouse which are basically the same goal on it each time we don't know that individual run but it's got to be Subostly versus Leicester. Yeah, like, yeah. That, the excitement of it being a new signing, doing that in front of the cup, Uh it was foot like a traction engine oh, and that's when like your eyes are open to what a talent he was. It's something that we haven't seen from too many players since Gerrard left. Like, I know you've got Fab- Fabinho scored one against City. I think Ox has obviously got one against Man City as well. But for sportslight to do, it's like, hello, we've got, we've got an exciting yeah. one here.
2: And in, and in the world's greatest cup competition as well. Too, so on the grandest stage of them all. You could uh, lead us the to third a third round. Wembley soon. The third round's often the best round as well, I say, at the League Cup. Um, just when you, you start on that journey, it's really exciting. Um, I, you know what? I, I, it's not my goal of the season. I, I would probably, I'd probably agree with both of you there. I, I love, Nunez's second at Newcastle even though I've used it for moments is also such a great goal and then that's the Bosley one but but I thought the first goal they scored the season against Chelsea the, yeah. the ball out, out from um, McAllister to Salah another brilliant ball through to Diaz and, and and getting that goal I thought was just a really incredible goal and, and you know obviously they, they almost went two up didn't they there but for the um, the offside flag there's been
0: so many good but, moves know. like that you can say even the, the one at the weekend Salah's first one Yeah, got Matip Winning it in midfield, the pass from Trent and the layoff from Nunes. That's probably something else we should say for a moment of the season. Matic, when he got booked, oh. the, the little breakdown <laughs> yeah. he had there. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. But yeah, like there's so many of the goals they've scored have been this back to front counter attack, and it's the, all these smooth passing yeah. moves, and they're not as eye catching when you until you break them down. Like you can see a Saboslai goal, even Saboslai's against Villa or the other Thunderbolts. And you go, wow, that's a stunner! But then when you watch the replay, see how many passes have gone to it, the movement—that's yeah. what this football team is very good at. And when it's early days
1: for the new signings and the fact that it has yeah. just clicked, it's really exciting to see. Yeah, I said this at the time about the, the Diaz one, but I'll I'll, I'll repub this. I'll, I'll say it again. But like that, <laughs> the, what I really liked about that was it, it felt a bit like a money goal. You know, the way he's yeah. like, yeah. rather than him doing something magical on the outside of the area and cutting in or, or whatever, it, it's him arriving at the right time yeah. in the right in the right area. And you know, I think that's been a little bit of a of a quiet hallmark of his this season, and even as Theo referenced the two international goals he just scored for Colombia, both headers. And yeah. I know there's bit to be fair, there have been a couple of Diaz headers for Liverpool. I think having what that really brave one was it against Brighton? And, and oh, was that when he got his head taken off? Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. Was it? Was that a header? I can't remember. But but you know, uh, he just got plump. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His head was involved. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I think if the the more he can become partly like a Mane and retain his Diaz qualities, that's you know it's. I think that's the story of all the attackers, isn't it? It's Salah's having arguably his best season since his first one, maybe 21, 22 as well, when you know he, there was just an abundance of goals and assists. But is as looking a more complete player, Nunes is, and, and so is Diaz, which is just remarkable. Poor Cody, Cody, well, yeah. I think I'm going to be giving Cody a mention shortly, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we
2: won't forget him. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bring up Cody in a bit, but the, the, I think that the great thing about all the five of those players, and, that, and include Cafpo in this, is that they complement each other as well, don't yeah. they? They've done well to, to build an attack like. Salamane Diaz that that feeds off each other that that seems to feed off each other's qualities, um, which is great. So, but we've been positive. So the worst moment of the season so far. Sean, we'll start with you. Oh, it's quite it's quite difficult. This um, the obvious one would be
1: spares, but I'm actually not going to choose that, and and I don't want to dig an individual out. But for me, it was not going three one up at Brighton, and and then. Failing to kind of convert that game and being pegged
2: back Cause so you're digging out crap and bitch.
1: Th- th- Well, yeah, <laughs> but like I just thought, like uh, that, that week it, it then felt cause those two games back to back, you know, but coming into it, I thought we will get four points from this week, yeah, it's it's a fantastic return, and you know, momentum's really there, they can drive on yeah. for the rest of the season. Then, given the circumstances of what happened to Spurs, it put so much on the Brighton game, and it, even then, a win would have felt like not quite two two victories, but you know, kind of. Model victory or a model draw in in the Spurs game, and then three points against Brighton. So that I think, to be fair, Liverpool have reacted pretty well since then. But because of the madness of Spurs and you know the fact that Liverpool didn't play badly, it was just circumstances that were you know yeah. unprecedented, something that was taken out of their hands. The Brighton one, when again, I don't think Liverpool were brilliant on the day. The draw probably was a fair result. It that for me was an opportunity to kind of get seal a statement win and get a victory that perhaps you know was. Slightly unmerited, but would have been so massive.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, Theo, sorry.
0: I'd go for Sultan. Like, It's one way you can break down so many moments in that game that you're just not happy with. From the two red cards, uh, the goal that should have been, and even just the manner of their winner and the celebrations afterwards. It was very bitter to be witnessing it, like Spurs yeah. celebrating like they've won the league and we've all seen the, the loving that they've had until the last couple of weeks. But you can't avoid the fact that if the goal isn't incorrectly chalked off, Liverpool have an extra point, Liverpool are level at the top of the table with Man City going into this game against Man City at the Etihad after the break. And when we've had a team that have lost the Premier League title by a point twice, and one of them was a goal line clearance, those small margins really matter. Yeah. And it could be something that is very costly come the end of the season. Granted, as already something in a few podcasts, you don't expect Liverpool to go all the way to the last day of the season and be challenging for the title again. But what if they are? What if that is the moment that costs them? and it was just one where they've played so well, they defended really well, they didn't deserve to get nothing from that game, even though it was nine men and everything. Mm. And it's just, it shouldn't have happened. It was an embarrassment from the officials. We've covered this so many times, there have been so many dodgy officiating decisions this year across the Premier League, across European football, but when it's one that they've got the decision right and you've still not got it your way, that, that is the worst moment. The
1: Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
2: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like Sean, I I kind of don't look back. It was really frustrating at the time, but I don't look back at Tottenham with as much frustration because I thought they played so, so well. It was so unlucky. They, They defended. I did think it was really funny the other night when Tottenham getting beat 4 1 uh home to Chelsea and people are like, brilliant defending from Tottenham. Look at the way they're they on the halfway line, <laughs> allowing Chelsea to run through on goal time and time again and, and just about miss before they, they won 4-1. And um, Tottenham got a lot of credit when I thought Liverpool showed how, how you play with nine men, which was dig in, put your bodies on the line, defend heroically. And yeah, they got very, very unlucky at the end. But I thought Matip in particular and Van Dijk that day were defended so well. It was so cruel. But I, I would actually say Luton's opener because I just felt so frustrated because
0: it was deflating wasn't it
2: yeah it was deflating and it was that was sort of the, what we'd witnessed last season a lot again going away to a promoted team and not really doing the business again missing big chances and and, and it, you know Nunes being a big part of that Um in the first half so when they took the lead it just you started getting the feeling they might get one here and then when they did yeah, that, that to me was just so frustrating. And, and obviously, they got a point out of Liverpool, but you know, it it still felt like a big two points dropped. Uh, i tell you something though,
0: having to pick this worst moment, it's made you realise how different this season already yeah, is to last yeah, year. Yeah. Like, there isn't really much to choose from. And we're looking at games like Luton, like Brighton, like even Tottenham, yeah. that was a missed opportunity. If you don't do this mistake for the Brighton opener, for the Luton yeah. opener, then you get more points. Yeah. Then you're clear at the top yeah. of the table. Or you just level with City and it's like, well, if you're saying this now, how exciting is it going to be for this team when they are months down the line, years down the line, they're in the peaks. Um, But that's what you wanted to see. You wanted to see them bounce back from last year and they're certainly doing that. Yet it still feels like there's something holding them back. Yeah, don't have that holding midfielder who's world-class, guaranteed to start. So it's quite nice to be on City's coattails without being that that complete package.
2: There's there's not been really... A really bad performance this season. Two is away is probably yeah, the worst but, but I mean mitigating circumstances and the fact that you, they changed the team, they they've sort of already cruising through the group. But in general, I mean Chelsea won one, I look at that as a missed opportunity and, and they not they, they? Yeah, and they certainly <laughs> came into it late in the game, didn't they? And they, they had chances. Obviously we talked about spares, Luton, all right. You know, I think a draw was a fair result, but but Liverpool had chances at early doors. So the, the, there hasn't been a performance, even Brighton, like you say, a chance to go 3-1 up.
1: Definitely. And I'd, I'd say, you know, my choice of Brighton was more based on feeling and the fact that it came after. Spires. Yeah, It's like in, in isolation, I think a draw at Brighton yeah. uh, this, away this season. You know, m- most teams would take that apart yeah. from, you know, maybe City, yeah. a couple of other challenges at the top. But, but like you lads have said, we're not quite scratching around to find bad moments because obviously, you know, that there, there have been some, but... They are literally the only ones you could choose from, and like you know the, the Europa League game. Okay, it was a defeat; it was unfortunate. But you know Liverpool really rallied. Could have perhaps had a legitimate, in many people's eyes, equaliser at the end. And there's a pattern. I remember Andrew Beasley put a tweet out after that game of like, at this point of European seasons, it's often like the fourth game where there might be a little bit of a dip. So I wonder whether that's something that's kind of yeah almost just baked into the way Clock constructs seasons and yeah. how, what they do in training. So yeah, I, I just think uh, you have to kind of nitpick to find bad. Bad
2: moments really. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's been so positive, as Theo yeah. said. Yeah. Okay, so back to positive player of the season so far, Theo. We'll start with you. It's been a few, ain't there?
0: Um, it's got to be one of the forwards, I reckon. Mo Salah. Can't look past him with the number of goals he's scored, number of assists. Like there's so many players that are playing well. Like Van Dyke seems like he's back to yeah. his best. Sabosla's been exciting. Nunes is doing so well, but Salah is the Egyptian king for a reason. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Theo's pretty much nailed the day. I think this is this is not going to quite say exposes the fallacy of the the whole Liverpool two narrative from Klopp, but like I would go in in this order: Salah, Van Dijk, Allison. I just think like as as well as the new lads have done, and you know, Subotic obviously has blown us all the has As he? Graven Birch, very impressive, very progressive, and impressive player. McAllister, I think I think history will judge this season very well for McAllister, and you know, maybe, maybe there's, there's there's bits we can talk about on on him shortly, but. I think the big boys have really stepped up and kind of carried the team in. And when you've got a goalie, a centre-half and captain and, you know, the best player at Liverpool, arguably one of the best players, if not the best player in the world on current form, doing what he does in Mo Salah, is possible, isn't it? And that, that goes back to what Theo just said, where I don't think you can rule anything out for Liverpool this season now. Like, you know, whether it's whether it's top four in a trophy or two or even a title challenge, if if those three yeah. keep playing as well as they are and supported by all the others.
2: Yeah, it's funny with Alisson because I... You saying you're top three I'll say my but I wouldn't have Alisson in there but just because I don't think he's done anything extraordinary but that is still because his level is that high yeah. Yeah, yeah. that he just he always does it doesn't he and, yeah. and to be fair to Alisson you know, Salah's probably had a dip in his time at Liverpool Van Dyke's had a dip Has Alisson ever really had
0: a dip? For personal reasons, yeah, in the pandemic, yeah. But then he came back and scored a winner against West (laughs) (laughs)
2: Bromwich. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. he said that like goalkeeper. Yeah, he came back and scored a winner. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, well, well, my top three would probably be... uh, Van Dijk, I think, has been, you know, as good as... Well, maybe not as good as... Because when he started, but almost back to his to his very that's best that's he's that's not far off yeah so I've seen the stat the other day where he's winning something like 80% of his head
1: this yeah. season yeah. and it's like if he maintains that it's like freaking just yeah, which, is, yeah. which is what yeah. he was
2: when he you know, arrived he's got I, his I, pace back as well yeah seems, so I, I I don't I don't think he's got his pace back in terms of he'll never be as pacey as he was four or five years ago because that's natural I'm not as quick as I was when I was when I was twenty eighth, but yeah but um, but uh, I think he's adapted differently. I, I I almost think like I look at him now and he plays a little bit, a bit you know, a, a higher standard. And I you know I love Sammy Epia as a player, but I'm looking at him the way Sami Epia played, and he's adapted his game. and He wins so many headers. He, he sort of leads that defence so well. But yeah, I I I think he's just been superb this season. He's he's been a great captain, um, and yeah, I think I think he's just been supreme. And and when he's playing, other other areas click, don't they as well? So. Yeah. He's been brilliant. Salah definitely second. I'd throw Nunes in third. And and, and yeah. I'd throw Nunes in third it. despite the misses. Despite you know, we've probably seen more comedy Nunes misses this season. You know, I'm thinking Toulouse, I'm thinking West Ham yeah. before he scored. Um Was it Villa
0: so, where he had the header at the far post? It was open goal and he, he put it wide of
2: the cup. Yeah, was it yeah? i like I'm, I'm, he's I'm, had a few. Yeah. There was one against Union, like like six yard box against Union. Right. Um and then, so so I'm thinking, and Luton as well. There was there was a couple of misses against Luton. Oh God, yeah. Um, so so you, you, yeah, heads, yeah. You? So you're thinking already? It was up towards five. Comedy Nunez misses, <laughs> but there's been so many great moments from him, and he sort of encapsulated this this sort of bright newer team. Mm. You know, it's it, the effort he puts in that the, the work rate, and then I, I thought. Klopp's quotes about him after the uh, the Brentford game the other day, even though he didn't score again, very unlucky not to with, with the two ruled out. But in the way he, he sort of he, he led the line so well, he he'd linked up with Salah so well, and he, it wasn't all about scoring a goal. It was about being a part of the team performance. And and I, I, and I think he keeps growing, and um, and that's really really exciting. And yeah, so I, I'd put um, I'd put Nunes in my top three. That's a very fair shout, especially when you know the partnership between him and Salah could Potentially
1: become if you know if things go well, they both stick around and, and then pull kick on like one of the great attacking partnerships. You know, yes. it's really got you know, there's still time, and and every time they play together and find each other in the right areas, it just looks so dangerous. But I agree with you on Nunes and and the idea of yeah, this, this the kind of thing last season of oh, you know, he's an agent of chaos. I think he, he now creates chaos but in a much more ordered and structured way, yeah, you know? yeah. Like he, yeah. he, as you say, he is more part of the team. And that we you know when Diaz first arrived and they had that six months where. There wasn't always end product, but he just ran teams ragged, and his output just in terms of work yeah. and pressing. I think I think Nunez has got a bit of that, and and it was it was as Klopp said, you know, he will be one one of my first names on the team sheet when he learns the art of defending from the front. And I think like in a, in a more simplified way, because of the likes of Subasic behind him, it's a little bit easier for him to do that now. Like he's not having to do a Firmino impression; is he? Yeah. It's very very different, but but it's very very effective.
0: What I like about him as well is there's been so many times in Liverpool's Premier League history where they've gone and signed that target man going it's not quite happened the year before or they've just missed out on the title and they need a few more goals let's go and get a plan B Yeah, whether it's like an Andy Carroll Ben that sort of forward and then Liverpool play them and go yeah they don't suit us at all why have we spent all this money on them Nunes is the mixture of that plan B causes the chaos is that threat in the air he's got the pace and as well, the power. He's like when you face Drogba at his peak and Liverpool always hated facing Drogba because he always scored always big moments in Champions League games or decisive Premier League games. Well, Liverpool have now got that sort of player and if you think back to Drogba early on, he was getting a lot of stick for handballs or diving, for not scoring enough goals and missing and while it wasn't the same attention to it because it wasn't as big on social media or anything, he wasn't this comical figure, when he exploded, it was 30, 40 goal seasons. Ends up winning them the Champions League, and he's a big legend. Right. Nunes is even younger than I think when Dropper went to Chelsea, so if he can have a sort of impact there 10 years at Liverpool, he is that successor to Salah in the attack of getting all these goals. And he just makes football fun, yeah. you like That's... watching him. It doesn't matter when he misses against Toulouse because it's enjoyable,
2: but you, you do, it doesn't matter so much because you know he'll arrive again. You know, yeah. the, I, I, I know with Nunes, if he does miss something. Chances are, two, three minutes later, he'd be back trying to get on the end of something. And, you know, that that one time when he collapsed to the floor and, ironically, Liverpool scored a second later was the, the one time that you've seen him show real emotion about missing yeah. one. Um, so, so I mean, yeah, he does make football fun. I think it's a really good point. And, and I think sometimes in this quest to, to sort of challenge teams as almost as perfect as Man City, you shouldn't forget that football should be fun. The League Cup's fun. That's why <laughs> talk about it. No VAR, that's why. I don't, don't I go off of drug, Sanjay, by the way, but, drunk, but what a player, no. the thought, just, he, he squared the life players? out of
1: me. Oh, I, well, just get that for me and one of the only players I can remember like giving Hippie yeah, an absolute torrent oh, at our field yeah.
2: as well. Like, you get both centre-halves. The and...
0: one that I remember is the one where he turns Carragher at Stamford Bridge and oh, just leathers yeah, it. Yeah,
2: but that, Before that, when they played Marseille in the Europa League or the, the UEFA Cup there yeah. oh, he absolutely destroyed them oh, I remember oh. him at the time, thinking, God, he's he's good. And then he went to Chelsea. Um, probably, uh, I don't want to say worst player, underperformer un, un of the year so far, or the season so far.
0: Um, Simicas has been disappointing. I know, mm. I know he's come back strong in that last game with a couple of assists. But even Klopp himself said the difference between him before that and after the first assist. Um, you wanted him when he had this opportunity to grab it with both hands and, and maybe he's a player yeah. that just takes a few games to get up to the level yeah. and you're hoping he can come in stronger now, but it hadn't been the best start of the season for him. McAllister seems like he's getting worse. There's more yeah. attention on him each week yeah. in that holding midfield role. And while the stats are backing him up for in terms of winning it and everything, he's still a little bit slow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Endo, I suppose he's one shout as well. Just yeah. we not enough of him. I'm going to throw Thiago in as well. Like he was a player that could have left in the summer. He was supposed to be fit for the start of the season, and we just haven't seen him. Yeah. We're not going to see him until 2024. He's out of contract in six months. He's one of the highest earners. Like this midfield has been bought, but together for the future, he's doesn't seem to be part of that future. And it's while he could come in, make a big impact second half of the season. This wait for him now has just gone on and on yeah. and on. Yeah. He's not started a game since February. And, and we've said on podcast before, it's frustrating for him. But when you know how good he can be, not having him there, for another injury, it's is very frustrating.
2: And I, I, I think to add to that frustration, he probably would have been the six, wouldn't he? You know, like they they probably would have played him, certainly. And I certainly think he's more natural at it than, than McAllister. Sean?
1: Yeah, I, I think the Simicast point is an interesting one. And I agree with Theo that he that he's bounced back a little bit. And okay, the have been errors that have cost Liverpool, but not in any meaningful way yet. I, I think he's the obvious candidate, but I also feel a little bit for him. And, you know, there, there were questions last season around not necessarily Robertson's conform. I think he, he dealt okay with the change of system, but people, we, you know, even on his Bob, we were saying, well, if it's going to be a three and a two at, at, at the back, you know, you want, like City do with, you know, Bakanji or whoever, you want more of a centre half, a left sided centre half. And, Robertson kind of got to grips with it a little bit and I think played really well this season before his unfortunate injury. But I kind of think Semikas is probably going through that process a little bit now, isn't he? Where in actual competitive games, he's having to adapt a little bit there. So I'll give him a little bit of a pass and agree with everything else you've said. You know, Thiago, there's no way you can't see that as just a bit disappointing, albeit, you know, not necessarily his fault. But Gakpo, I wouldn't say it's a disappointment. I I agree with your point before, Joe, that he has still contributed and like, you know, uh, having five players of that quality is is Liverpool's strongest yeah. hand this season, isn't it? It's could, what could blast them to success. But a couple of times, a couple of moments, I've kind of thought: is he now a slightly a player between positions? Like yeah, you know, there sure. was there was a lot of talk last season, and I, I thought this myself, where it was like, as a, as a false nine who is comfortable going out wide, he's almost got something more than Firmino could offer. But then with the way the teams adapted and changed, and the way that the the kind of eight, you know, whoever it is, Jones or whoever, and and Sibosla on the other side, the way it's much more attacking, it's it's kind of pushed more, you know, up the pitch even further, trying to squeeze teams. I just think like, and as we said about Nunes, you kind of need an out-and-out number nine almost in in that team now. It's much less of a of a false nine, and then obviously the other place we've seen Gappo is as he was against Brentford. I think wasn't he on uh, in midfield? And I'm not totally sold on that yet. It just feels like he's got he's got a bit more. Adapting to do so, I think it's almost like maybe I summed it up as he took a big step forward last season and, and did well when he arrived. After a little bit of a, of a period of acclimatization, maybe it is just taking a step back and being very much the fifth man in that in that unit for now. But, but that certainly doesn't mean even this season you'll probably get a run of 10, 12 games where he scores six or seven at some point. And you know,
2: um, we'll, we'll say very different things about it. I'm going to throw a name in there um, who we haven't mentioned on this podcast and we haven't mentioned much this season at all. And that's Trent, and I don't think he's been bad, but I think, again, you you talk about player between positions. Yeah, I I feel like last season moving Trent into this hybrid role sort of turbo charged and, and gave Liverpool the boost that they needed um, to kick on and 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 turn their form around, and that was brilliant. And we sort of expected them to to build on that this season, and they've almost they have done. And Trent's continued playing in that position, but almost without Trent being a big part of it. Um, whereas last season, it really seemed to get him ticking again. This year, I don't feel like... I feel like I'm not seeing the best of him there, and I'm not seeing the best of him at right back either. So, I, I just wonder what the future holds for Trent and t- positionally. Obviously, he's going to be a big part of whatever Liverpool do, but whether his form... His form hasn't been bad, that's the thing. you know. I don't I don't think you could pick on him and say he's, he's been poor. I just don't think he's been the star of the show. And 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 maybe that's a good thing. Maybe Trent just needs to come out the limelight a little bit because last season for, for better or worse we were talking about him this year. We we don't seem to have talked about him a great deal. But, you know, I know Klopp mentioned the other day someone asked whether he could move into that that position. Um and he and he, he sort of said, Oh, we'll we'll still lose the best right back in the world if we do that. But I don't really feel like we're seeing Trent as the best right back anyway in the world anymore, nor are we seeing him be really influential in that in that middle position. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to just see them experiment with Trent in the middle of the park once or twice, just to scratch that itch. I'm going to see it at the weekend because I know how much you love those England games. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, well, I won't personally see it because I, I won't watch. So, yeah,
0: what what yeah. I will say about Trent is. Um, he is having to adapt because it isn't just a you are now in midfield when you go in inverted. Mm-hmm. Oh, there have been times when he stays out wide. There have been times when he has to drop to centre-back. Like You can say when they're adjusting this system, it doesn't seem as fragile defensively yeah. this year as last year. Yeah, there actually. isn't as much of where is the right back supposed to be? Where is the right yeah. centre-back supposed to be? And that was a step in the direction. But if you break down his performances, he's not getting the assists he was. Like You're missing him being out wide and whipping in those crosses. But he's getting a lot of those pre-assists. Yeah. Like he got the one for the Salah first goal didn't he when he's wh- whipping that through ball through the line into the middle and then Nunes has got the assist but that comes because of Trent's vision yeah,
2: true, he is true. the it one was, it... that was a great pass as yeah. well wasn't
0: it and he's done a few like that like he was unlucky not to actually get an assist against Luton I think it was when Nunes hit the bar in the, in yeah. the first half yeah. he's still having yeah, an impact yeah. in midfield it's yeah. just in a different role now yeah. he's not the one who's the number 10 from right back he's just quietly going about his business yeah. and because we've seen him get 15 assists in a season Put in a, a few screamers from the edge of the box, you want to see that as well. Yeah. Liverpool have had to adapt, and whether there's a way of complementing both, or this is new Liverpool, we'll wait and see. Like it changes when yeah. they've got the next Fabinho in holding yeah. the field, whether that's Perisic when he's grown up a little bit and developed, and he's free of injury, or they sign someone else, or Endo's just steps up, or McAllister can do it, maybe Trent does it himself. But you think it's still year one for Liverpool? They are learning to grow into a team together going forward, and they'll
2: still a few more pieces they need to put in this puzzle maybe that we're not talking about as much I think is is probably a good thing for Trent right now
1: the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo
2: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast, lunch and dinner
0: check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centres or 24-7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: The
1: Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
2: Um, youngster, who's, who's impressed you most? Youngster, word? It's gotta be
1: Jarrell, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it very much feels like his, his breakthrough and the thing that's impressed me about him, a little bit unfair to make this comparison because obviously it's different positions, but Sometimes when a youngster breaks through, and I'd say Curtis Jones is the most obvious example of this. They come through, and you still think their mentality—not even the mentality—they're kind of what they what is ingrained in them to do as a player is is still big fish and small pond. And you know, but when Curtis still came through, it was what came through. It was like he wanted a lot of the ball. You know, the criticism of him, which I think he's done a lot to to kind of debunk now, is that he held onto the ball for too long. It felt like he was like, "Give me the ball, and I will try and do something." because that was probably what he was used to as being the best young player. Whereas with Kwanza, okay, very different position as a centre-half. You're not going to be like, give me the ball and I'll try and you know create a, an attack necessarily. But it, it just feels like he's ingrained in what it is to be a Liverpool centre-back and to have that as a youngster, that attitude of, you know, I will go out on the pitch and try and do to the best of my ability what Van Dijk or Kanate or does or Gomez, in their absence, I think is is incredible really. And, and it's, it's still very early days. Like he himself said, I think he's only played... Nine games or so. Yeah. Liverpool hasn't he, and, and you know that that's not his end goal. He's got ambitions beyond that. In a, in a chat, uh, Theo and others have with him this week, which which is great, and I'd encourage everyone to seek seek that out and read it because it gives a measure of of the man behind the player or the young man behind the player. But but I think so much is there already as as a, as a young centre half, and like you know, like like someone like Elliot, obviously obviously he looks at Salah and tries to mould his game on on this you know hero who he's playing with and and is, is also a teammate. How do you think you can see it with Quanta that he's trying to do that with Van Dijk, and and why not? You know, it could it could be good enough. Quanta, yeah, it's got to be Quanta. Um, it
0: was around this time last year when the World Cup was coming on. Um, we went out and we spoke to a few of the Liverpool Academy players out on loan, and you could tell they were all young kids. Like, they're not giving you the best answers. Yeah. They're still very sheepish, and you think you need to do some growing up. I was, I was, <laughs> oh, Rose, no, you <laughs> You're interviewing <laughs> them. Need to mature a bit as a player, don't you? You need to get that experience. <laughs> Rose, speaking to Quantzer this week, he, he was just leaps ahead of what you'd expect him to. Do. He was showing maturity beyond, beyond his years. There were really measured answers, and he was just showing how much effort he's put in behind the scenes to get here. Whether it's going off his own back to ask for clips of Van Dyke and the Liverpool defense to study that. Watching South American defences, watching Spanish defences, Italian defences, he just came across really well and really likable. The answers are really They're good. Really I mean, good. I,
2: I, obviously, we would say this, but, <laughs> but I, I would say go and re- go away and read that interview yesterday. It was, um, it was just, yeah, the, the, so intelligent, wasn't it? And, yeah, and like,
0: so The confidence there that without the right tone, would we'll come across as arrogance. But you think you hear him going, "I want to be one of the best in the world," and you don't think,ing you're a bit risky saying that. You're thinking, you know what. You probably could be. Like you give it a chance here. Like he's got all the attributes you need for a centre back in terms of he's massive. He's really good on the ball. He's good in the air. He's quick. Like that that's what you need. I'm not going to say he's going to be another Van Dijk, but you can see why he's come into this Liverpool first team and he doesn't look out of place. Like they wanted a centre back in the summer, they didn't get one. And you're not going there really short in defence. Like we've seen a few young centre backs come through, whether it's Phillips, Williams, uh Kometio. And they're lacking something, whether it's pace, ability on the ball, just roar and make mistakes. We've not seen that from Quancy yet. He said in this piece as well, I will make mistakes at some point, but they don't define me. Everyone makes mistakes. Show me someone who has never made a mistake. And he just seems to take it all on his chest, uh, takes it and moves on. And he's like really relaxed. And he's just excited to see what comes next. Like something else I'll say on him. When a centre-back comes through into a first team, when they're that young, they're normally playing right back. Or they're Mm -hmm. playing midfield. Like it's the famous... Carragher quote, isn't it? You're either a full failed centre-back or you're a failed winger. You don't go in straight away and start in your preferred position because it's a risk to play you at centre-back. Same for center midfielders. You play him somewhere else because you don't want to put a kid there. But the fact that he's come in and he's rising to it, whether it's Newcastle, they were 1-0 down when he came on with 10 men. And he's part of that. They get to win. Wolves starting. And he's had other games as well. He's came on and he's making an impact. And you're just excited to see what comes next for him because Matip's out of contract next summer, 32. Van Dijk's 32 as well, out of contract the year after. You might expect the captain to get a new contract, but you wouldn't be surprised to see Matip go on. Uh, Canate's got his injury issues. Gomez is out with an injury at the moment as well. Covanser could be turned to more and more here. And when he's had this really good loan with Bristol Rovers, and you're looking at these young players, how, what they do the first half of the season, you think maybe get get a loan in January. You don't want him to get a loan at all. You want him to stay part of this team, keep getting opportunities, because if he keeps this up as a 20-year-old, he could be first choice within four or five years.
2: I'd say sooner than that, you know, if, if he keeps this up, I mean, it, the, the most impressive thing about Kwanzaa, and by the way, clean sweep, I would say Kwanzaa as well, is his passing. I think his passing. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of players, Nat Phillips came in and, you know, in terms of aerial and, and, and tackling and blocks, the sort of bread and butter of the centre half. You couldn't really knock him, you know, pace. Positional passing, perhaps they, they were the the elements that you you might you might look at, but but Quanta's passing is just levels above what you see from a lot of a lot of young centre halves, and you know I, I really like the pace he puts on the ball, the try, types of passes he plays. Like you said, Sean, playing like a an elite Liverpool centre half, or certainly trying to mimic that style. Um, and yeah, we with a centre half, I think as well, you just they just need time, don't they? You know, yeah. it, it, cool. nine good games isn't anywhere near enough to know whether this lad is really going to kick on but but um, it's certainly been nine very good games and, and, and I'm very exciting as well um, considering I don't think we probably would have expected too much of him this season and on that um, quickly now because I think we're, we're starting to run out of time I've got a few more questions for our surprise of the season Oh, surprise this. You
0: can throw cancer in there as well. Yeah. I, I know you just said that, but. I've it...
2: got an answer. Can I give my answer? Okay. Never mind yours. Oh, I'm sure. Joe Gomez, I was going to say surprise this season. Yeah, I, I, I I sort of had Joe Gomez as his Liverpool career kind of winded down. You know, in the summer, I wasn't really sure whether he'd stay, and I, and I wasn't really expecting much of him this season. But wherever he's played, and he's played pretty much all over the back four, he's stepped into midfield, copying Trent. Perhaps not as accomplished there as as Trent is, but but it, he's not at Liverpool down. He's been very good. He's put in some of his best form. He's almost scored a goal, which um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, is something for him. And and I think as as sort of reminded us why he could have quite a long future at Liverpool. The the one other question mark that I would always had hanging over him across his time at Liverpool was was fitness. Um, and I know he's he's suffered an injury now, so hopefully it is just a a one and back. Um, and hopefully that doesn't linger on, but yeah, I I think he's been very good.
0: What I liked about him was, I think it was last pre-season when Doyle spoke to him, and he pointed out, I'm I'm still younger than Van Dijk was when Van Dijk joined Liverpool, and I'm not sure if that's still the case or if he's now the same age, but when you think that, you go, hang on, we've still got five, six good years of Van Dijk here, and you wouldn't be surprised to get another couple of years out of him. Uh, If Gomez can go on that similar pattern, then it doesn't matter that he's a few up and down years. Like, centre-backs take time to Settle. Like, think of Carragher when he first came through in the 90s. He was playing all over the place, gets a little bit of a revival under Julie, but it's at fullback. It's yeah. only when Benitez comes in and he gets put centre back later on when he's got that bit more maturity that he becomes a I think he was
2: 25, 26 when he got moved to centre back. So, like,
0: it, it does take a bit of time with centre backs. And for Gomez to come back, he's had so many setbacks in his career with injury. Like, he's a player you want to take those steps to be able to put them behind him and show why Liverpool wanted him so far and stuck with him for so long. Uh, he's still, he's not as tall as the others. He doesn't see him as dominant, not as nasty as in terms of a centre-back. But he's showing a bit more leadership this season, showing that he is just wanting to make up for lost time. It's something you want to see him build on it. Because uh, if Trent, we have this conversation of can he go into midfield? If he does, Gomez is a very good right-back option. He's yeah. proven that this season. Yeah. And you want to see him silence his doubters.
1: Yeah, Sean? Sure. Uh, you know what you've, you've surprised me with your surprise answer I think <laughs> <is> a <great laughs> answer. it's a great answer so does that mean I'm the surprise uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mine would be a touch more obvious but I think it still counts and and it's to boss like because I just think obviously is it that much of a surprise when he was what well, he was the most expensive summer signing wasn't he you know yeah. given how much it was to meet his release clause but I think to step in and effectively replace the captain that's broadly where he's been in terms of his position and be such a physical and technical upgrade on Henderson and, you know, I mean, when I see him strolling around the ball, he's not strolling, he's always tearing around the pitch, and you know, he's got speed and stamina and and skill, you know, which is just a remarkable combination, but three S's. The three S's. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, you know, the one the one I kind of will say to my dad at the match sometimes, and, you know, I don't mind saying it, I like, I, it reminds me of, like, Bale in the sense of he just seems like somehow he is a physical level above virtually everyone else who's on the pitch. And, you know, people have made the Gerard comparisons, that's obvious. You know, when he scores screamers as well, he... He, he carries on making that case, but just the fact that he looks so good so quickly, and to go back to a point you guys were saying before about Trent and the change Liverpool made last season that not only recharged player but lit the spark didn't it for what was like a you know an improved run into the season. I, I had almost certainly not written off four, three, three in any way, but I just thought, well, surely Liverpool will build on that experiment quite heavily, and you know that that will be the blueprint. You know, you'll see a lot more of that for the start of a game and, and when they're in possession, but. I almost wonder whether Soborslay has turned the tables on that a little bit, almost single-handedly, because he's just it, as a as a power-packed kind of right-sided person to be in a midfield three. It, I, I, I think he's already showing glimpses of potential to offer more than Henderson ever did in that role. Not not to denigrate a great player who obviously left in a way that none of us were, were impressed by, but but I, I think it's legitimate to say that already about Soborslay. So yeah, I think I think it's him, um, and I do think. One slight concern I would have with him this season is it's just the amount of minutes and exposure he get. because I think in the Premier League already he's played more minutes than anyone apart from Allison. You know, he played in every game and must two or more on the Salah? Yeah, it's, it's 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 literally almost all the minutes. I think he's only not played like 24 minutes or something of of, of games in the, in the Prem. That is so there's there's going to be a lot of load on him and obviously he's such a big player for his country. I think Liverpool will have to be careful with him, but the sky is the limit and and that has surprised me that it's that it feels like that so soon.
2: Quickly then, best and worst opposition teams
0: this season. No one really stands out either way. Um, come back to me,
2: children.
1: Ah, oh, this this is this is a tricky one. Um, I, I did think a lot of Brighton. Um, yeah, I think I think I'd probably say Brighton, but you know, my answer may well shortly change when Liverpool go and play City. Um, in terms of best worst, it's a difficult one. That um, Everton kind of admired whatever. Oh, Ebert producers just
2: locked up. Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one really stands out as a, as a worst yet
2: because even like, you know. I think that says a lot about Liverpool surprise. this season, doesn't it? I don't feel like they've played anyone that you think, you know, like they they breeze past Aston Villa, mm. but Aston Villa have been very good throughout the season so you, you couldn't really say Aston Villa.
0: Like Toulouse, putting five past Toulouse but they didn't play badly yeah, and yeah. they go and beat them in
2: the return game. Well, even Wolves, you know, at the time, I thought Liverpool sort of it, wiped the floor with them in the second half but, Again, they've done all right this season, and Man City lost there. You know, they they they've proven tricky. Um, you know, Brentford, same. So, you know, it is hard to pick a best and worst, and I haven't even got my own. So,
0: the best one will be Man City, you'd imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. that that's going to be the test of If They can go and get a win there when they rarely win at the Etihad. Like you know, they are serious this year. Otherwise, it's just another year where City walk away. But that hasn't been a team that you think they were awful. Obviously, Liverpool haven't played Manchester United yet, and that'll yeah. come in December, so I'm sure that, that could soon be the answer because yeah. it seems to be every time in the recent years. But yeah, like it's just been pretty much routine for most of the victories.
2: They, they obviously weren't the worst too, but I, I do look at Tottenham and Newcastle and the way they played against depleted Liverpool teams in terms of the red cards, and I wasn't very impressed with either of them. Yeah, And I, and I think for what they're aspiring to be, and even though Tottenham had... Uh, brilliant start to the season. I, I think that if Liverpool go down to 10 men next weekend against Man City they would absolutely you know saw I saw that in what
0: 2017
2: 18 was that 5-0 with yeah, 10 men. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. And and you know I won't name names but you can work it out but one reporter said that half time of the Newcastle game it was most likely to be a cricket score. <laughs> and I think good teams I could understand but against Newcastle and and, and yeah and, and they didn't impress at all really they didn't seem to have that extra class to, to then make Liverpool really pay and the same goes for Tottenham so um, I wouldn't say they're the best and worst or, or sorry I wouldn't say they're the worst but I would say they're not as impressed. good as they think like yeah them. I wasn't yeah. impressed by them um, but yeah yeah, I, I sort of agree that they haven't really played anyone um, that, that sort of falls into either category just yet okay um, Sean sure, just one for you biggest traitor of the season so far, traitor of the yeah. season. Oh, Stabbed I don't anyone think
1: in the back. Have that type of no, discussion. That's no. like this, a family show. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> um, right. We'll finish off then with asking both of you um, to make one big prediction for the rest of the season. Does it have to be Liverpool? It can just be from what you've seen so far of the whole Premier League. I'll,
1: I'll double down on, on the Spurs and Loving unravelling and say they don't finish top four and Liverpool win. Uh, Carabao and Europa double and right the wrongs of Klopp's first season.
0: Wow. Let's go for something similar. Liverpool, go all the way with City, win a couple of trophies.
2: Yeah, uh, I I was going to say the same about Tottenham. I think they'll finish sixth or seventh and they, they will have a really bad run at one point and they will drop them out.
1: Um, it feels like that could come now. And you know what? If they respond to the setbacks that have just happened and regroup, fair play. Yeah. That, that, that's yeah. a sign yeah. that it... Yeah. they really could be a good ride but I just feel like basically expanding on what you've just said the rate that they've had to go and how exhausting it's, it's kind of been yeah. as much as it's been exciting for them just to stay at pace with City who are depleted and Liverpool who have clearly got room for improvement and Arsenal and others is you know I think that's quite telling yeah. so what I'll say about Spurs
0: and Arsenal is that they think they're challenges you can throw Newcastle in it as yeah. well but when they have injuries the, the wheels come off a little bit whereas City as we mentioned at the start of the podcast, they're having a few injuries. Guardiola's mentioned that earlier in the season. Uh, Liverpool have obviously got a lot of injuries, but you don't see it really stopping them. Like, yeah, Liverpool getting a bit close to the bone in terms of how many youngsters are on the bench, but there's still enough there to get them over the line. They've got the experience, they've got the quality. Whereas Tottenham have got so many absent at the moment. And if they're out for a
2: a couple of months, even a few weeks, you see where they go. Uh, Newcastle's a funny one, because I do think, I think teams like Man United and Chelsea, because Chelsea had such an erratic start, and they seem to be getting themselves together a bit more now. But on United again, there's been they're just having a great Man United crisis season, aren't they? I mean, they have overshadowed. that Newcastle have been bang average, really. Yeah. You know, they've, there's been obviously a couple of big wins, European nights. I think coming back has, has been something they've really enjoyed. But in terms of their league form, I think nowhere near. I don't know why people get so carried away. Stuart Pearce, why you would t- tip them for the title, I'll never know. You know, I think there, there's a process going on there and I think Newcastle will be a force to re- be reckoned with in the years to come. And I think Eddie Howe's done a brilliant job and will continue to do so. But I I think there was always going to be a dip. I'd more worried about it. them
0: if they had Unai Emery as manager or if they had some of the players that Villa got. Villa looked know. better than Newcastle.
2: Uh, I, I think Eddie Howe's a very good manager. I, I just think that... I would have been stunned if they'd stayed in the in the Champions League places, mm. um, and I think sixth isn't they they shouldn't see that as a bad season. Um, but the, the standards they've set. But yeah, um, other big prediction, just copying yours, Sean is is yeah Dublin. Um, Dublin, them here, go on with Dublin.
1: Hopeful on more bothered about
2: Dublin than than Wembley for the Carabao. Oh, see, you know I love the Carabao. Oh, you like know and, it, it, that that is um, that's hard, but but yeah. Dublin this year, just just as well. Just it's the one trophy club hasn't won. Um, and I, and I do because I like underdogs. I like second-string competition, so I always like the Europa League. It's a great league.
1: Yeah. I, I want it for Aldo more than anyone. When he did his yeah. column a, a few weeks back, yeah, where yeah. he was reflecting on the idea, the possibility of it. He seemed very enthused. Yeah. Yeah. I just like the fact that the Champions League final is
0: Wembley. Oh, we've done Wembley a few times. Could yeah. get there again with the, the cup finals yes. this year. Let's do something a bit
2: different. Rubbish, Wembley. Yeah, Dublin all the way. Right, we'll leave it there. We'll be back um, on Monday, Um to try and think of more international break ideas. Um, if you want to send us any of your moments, goal, worst, best, um, big predictions. Or just predictions. some questions for under- Monday. Yeah, or, yeah, or some know. questions. Um, yeah, leave leave us a comment on YouTube or or give us a tweet or an X. What do you call it? Do you, do you, do you X people that? I
1: still say tweet. Yeah,
2: I tradition. still say tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so but, um, right yeah at River 88 at TheoSquare's Echo. Uh, S. Brad. Sean Brad, too. Two. Yeah. two. Not Sean Brad. One. Sean won't reply to you, though. Right. Um, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much, gents, and we'll see you again Monday. Ta-ra.
0: You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.